when I was in eighth grade, I, my family decided to move houses. So we lived in Mission Viejo, and we just moved like literally five minutes away, also in Mission Viejo, to a new house. And in this new house, I got my own room. And so being my own room, it had like dungy carpet and like weird colored walls. And so my dad said, hey, guess what? In this new room, you get to paint it whatever color you want. And I was like, sweet, nice. Uh, he's like, you get to paint it yourself too, which I was like, all right, I don't know how to do that, but it seems pretty easy. You just get a brush and go like this, so let's do it. So I'm like, man, what color am I going to paint my room? So I think through different colors, uh, yellow, green, black, should I just leave it white? And I decide that I'm going to paint it the colors of the best football team in the world, the colors of the Dallas Cowboys. Let's go. (laughs) Got to... All right, all right, hey, wait, we don't, we don't even start this off with hate right now. It's like, right, anyways, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, I said, okay, we're going to paint the, the colors of my room are going to be the nice silver, so kind of like the gray on this wall, but a little lighter. Think of like a slate gray, and there's going to be a couple blue stripes, the navy blue of the Dallas Cowboys, like right in the middle. And so I went to Home Depot, and I pulled out my phone, and it had like the, the logo of the Cowboys, and I was looking for the gray, and I kind of matching up. You guys been to Home Depot, and they got all those little swab things, and you're like pulling out, you're like, oh, it's a little dark, that's a little light, and I, I found the gray. And so I get home one day after school, and it's towards the end of the day, and it goes on into the night, and I'm painting my room. It's a pretty big, pretty big room. Paint all the, the walls. The next day I come, and I look at the walls, and... It's not quite the gray that I was hoping for. It actually looks more like purple than it does gray. And I'm like, I'm not a Vikings fan. Like, what, what's going on here? It's like, I wasn't, I'm not a girl. Like, I'm purple room. Like, sorry to throw shade at you. So I got a purple room. It's like, I'm, I didn't want that. And so I go back to Home Depot and I say, okay, this was more of a purple shade or whatever. I guess in like the, the light when I was painting, um, the light of the light bulbs looks different than the natural light. If you didn't know, colors look different depending on if it's natural light or if it's like the light bulbs that we're under right now. And so I was like, oh, that wasn't right. Go find a different gray and I paint my room again and I go back the next day and guess what? It's still not gray. It's like more of like a bluish. And I'm like, man, like how hard is it to paint a room? I guess it's pretty hard. Um, I guess the painting itself wasn't hard, but finding the right color was. So I finally go back to the guy at Home Depot, and you've been to the section or probably walked past it before where like the guy is in that little rectangle thing, and he's there, and he like puts the cans in the little shaker things, and they shake around. Um, and I go up to the guy, and I'm like, okay, I've tried painting my room. Like I'm trying to just get the Dallas Cowboys colors, and I've done this twice, and it hasn't worked. Like I don't know what to do. Help me. And he's got guys that looks at me, he's like, oh, like he should have asked. Like we have a pamphlet right here that has the official colors of every NFL team on it. Here you go. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> really? I painted my room twice. The whole thing, it wasn't the right color. And you're telling me if I just asked you, you would have given me this pamphlet that tells me the specific color, the specific silver and blue of the Dallas Cowboys, and it would have been no problem. You see, if I went up to the person and I asked for help, I would have saved myself a lot of time, a lot of pain, and a lot of trouble if I just went up and asked for help. In our, in our lives, we're going to have situations that are difficult, situations that are challenging, situations where we need help, and we need to see that we oftentimes do need help. And in the passage that we're going to look at today, it's saying, hey, when we have situations and challenges to face, we need to go and ask God for help. Go ahead and look at James 1, 5 through 8. It gives us 
that answer of saying we need to ask God for help when we face problems, difficulty, and challenges. James 1.5 says this. says, if any of you lacks wisdom, wisdom, this idea of understanding, not just knowledge and knowing mere facts, but knowledge lived out, knowing how to act, decisions to make, discernment. If any of you lacks that, that understanding, that wisdom, this is what you should do. You should ask God. Well, why should I ask God? Well, because God says, gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Say, hey, if you need understanding, you need wisdom, you need discernment, what you should do is go and ask God. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Say, hey, God, I need wisdom. And guess what? God's going to give it to you. Verse 6 says, but let him ask in faith. So when we go and ask God for wisdom, we need to ask with this word called faith, this idea of trust, this idea of confidence that God is going to give it to us. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. I'm sure you've been to the ocean before and you've seen the waves kind of go back and forth. And I remember being on a cruise ship and kind of looking out the ocean and the waves kind of go this way and go that way. Like the wind's blowing this way, all right, waves go this way. The wind blows back that way. They kind of just go wherever the wind is blowing them. Well, similarly, the person that doubts God to answer the prayer for wisdom is kind of like that, that wave that just kind of goes back and forth. And it's like, make up your mind, make a decision. We shouldn't doubt God when we ask for wisdom. Verse 7, it goes on. It says, the doubter, that person, must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Say, so, hey, when you ask God for wisdom, which is something that we should do because we need it, don't question or say, oh, I'm not sure if God's going to give it. Because if we doubt, we question God, don't think that he is gracious enough to give it to us. He's not going to give it to us because we don't ask in faith and full confidence with him. When we have situations and difficulties in our life, we need to go and ask God for wisdom. And why should we ask God for wisdom? I think first off, you need to do what point number one says, which is humbly admit you need wisdom. You need to humbly admit that you need wisdom. Why should I ask God for wisdom? It's because you need it. You need it. Don't live life thinking, I've got it figured out. Yeah, I'm good. I've got all the answers. No, you need to see that you are someone that needs wisdom. You need to admit that, and as a result, you need to ask God for it. When I think of asking for help or asking for something, it makes me think of how when you go to the grocery store or maybe, maybe go to like a Target or something, there's a very different sort of events that take place if you're a guy versus if you're a girl. If you're a girl and you're going to Target, and let's say you're looking for toothpaste, what you do is you walk into Target. I'm speaking generally, too, so this isn't like, oh, this is not exactly what I do. It's like, okay, don't be offended. Generally speaking, the girls who walk in, they, they look for someone wearing the red shirt. They say, oh, the red vest or red shirt on. It's like, hey, where's the toothpaste? And they say, okay, you go here, and that's where you find the toothpaste. Guys on the other end, they walk into Target, and they say, I'm not going to ask anybody. Are you kidding me? Like, am I a five-year-old needing help? It's like, I'm going to figure out where this toothpaste are. And the guy's like walking around, he's like looking in electronics, like, where's it, is it here? Like walking over to like grocery, like the banana, bananas, peach, like where's, and like 20 minutes later, you're finally in the toiletry section. You're like, oh yeah, that was easy. I found, I found the toothpaste. Very different situation. See, we need to be more like the girls in that situation, not waste our time thinking, oh, I mean, I can figure it out on our own. A lot of us guys have this pride to ourselves, 
and saying, oh, I can just figure it out on my own. We need to see, hey, life is, life is difficult. Being in junior high is a challenging time. How can you navigate life as a junior high student? How can you decide, man, who should I be friends with and who shouldn't I be friends with? Because I want to be friends with the right people. How do I navigate the difficulties of family life? When there's conflict with my siblings, my parents are arguing and bickering. How am I supposed to act? It takes wisdom to know what to do. How do I know what decisions to make? You got decisions facing you. Day in and day out, how do I make the right decision? Well, you need wisdom. How do I be discerning when making choices? That's a challenge. You're facing decisions every single day, whether to sin, whether it's to obey, who to be friends with, interacting with family, things to pursue, activities to be a part of, friends to be close with. How do we make the right decisions? Only ways if we have wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? Well, the world will say wisdom is being smart and successful in this world. So say, for example, you look at someone who like, owns a company. It's like, oh man, clearly that person must have wisdom because of look how successful they are. Or maybe you look at someone who's powerful, who's an influencer on social media or on YouTube or whatever it is, and say, that person is successful, so clearly they've got something about themselves that means they're smarter than everyone else. Because guess what? I mean, they've clearly made it. Well, the Bible would say that wisdom isn't something that the world at large has. Rather, what God would say wisdom is being able to live life from God's perspective. Being able to navigate life, not just from, oh man, what do I think? But no, what would God want me to do? How would God want me to act? Who are the friends that God would want me to choose? What are the decisions that God would say, yes, that's what I want you to do, junior high student? Well, how am I supposed to know that? How am I supposed to live life and make decisions how God would want me to? The answer is not in the wisdom of this world, but wisdom that's given from God. Well, how do I get this wisdom? Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs, which is known as the place 2 that talks about wisdom all the time. And we should go and look at Proverbs and say, man, how do I get this God-given wisdom? How do I attain this? It's funny that James in the New Testament is known as like wisdom literature in the New Testament. So oftentimes people call the book of James the Proverbs of the New Testament because of how much it talks about wisdom. But Proverbs 2 goes on to detail, and specifically in Proverbs chapter 2, how we gain wisdom. This understanding and this discernment and this knowledge of living life well, how God would want me to live life. Proverbs 2, look at verse 1. It says, My son... If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, you should make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. So right there, how do you, want, how do you gain wisdom? Well, receive my words, treasure up my commandments with you. It's talking about God's word right there. You want to be wise? Right here. You want to be understanding? You want to be smarter than the people who try to live life apart from God, it's not going to work out. What you need is to be in this book. Incline your ear to the commandments of Scripture. Make your ear attentive to the wisdom, what? That's given from God. Because guess what? This book is from God. 
the biblical authors written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to pen exactly what God wants us to know. You want to gain wisdom? First, be in God's word. Verse number three goes on. Another way to get wisdom says, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, the idea of calling out for insight, the idea of raising your voice for understanding, that's talking about prayer. Hey, you, you want wisdom? You want understanding? You want insight? Raise your voice. Call out for it. Ask God for wisdom. That's what James 1's talking about. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Well, how do we ask God? It's through prayer. God, give me wisdom. Give me understanding how to navigate this situation. Give me clarity on how to navigate this decision that I've got to make. We want wisdom, God's word, prayer. One final thing here in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. So if you go after his commandments, you pray for him, or sorry, pray to him, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Say, so, hey, you want wisdom? You need to learn to fear the Lord. Fear God. Say, man, I have a right understanding of who God is. Him being in charge of all things. Man, I better live in accordance because, man, God's way greater than I am. Do we want wisdom? Read his word. Pray. Fear the Lord. It's a way for us to give wisdom. We need to come to God and say, man, God is the one, as verse 6 of Proverbs chapter 2 says, God is the one who gives wisdom, so I need to come and seek out wisdom. You see how valuable it is. In the Old Testament, God makes a, or not a request, God says to King Solomon, hey, you can ask me for whatever you want. Whatever you want. Pick anything. Well, what does, what does Solomon pick? If you've been in church for a while, Solomon says, hey, God, will you give me wisdom? Will you give me understanding? Solomon, who's in charge of the nation of Israel, the king at the time, he says, I want understanding to know how to rule this big nation. Think about that. You're in charge of a nation. It's like, man, I want to make sure I'm making decisions that God will want me to make, how to lead these people, how God would want me to do it. And he could have picked anything and asked anything for, from, from God. He said, I want wisdom. Would we ask for that same thing? If God said, hey, faith, you can have anything from me, ask anything, what would you ask for? Dane, you can have anything. Well, what would you ask for? We need to see how valuable it is to have wisdom, being able to live life from God's perspective, how he would want us to do, not only knowing what he wants us to do, but acting it out something that we all desperately need. We need to ask him for that. Can we ask for wisdom? But James 1, 5 through 6 goes on. It says, hey, not only do you need to ask God for wisdom, but when you ask, you need to have confidence that he's going to answer that request. Look at James 1, 5 and 6. James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, which is funny right there, if it says, well, if any of you lacks wisdom, well, who is any of you? It's like, <laughs> it's like all, it's all of us. No, I don't need wisdom. No, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's all of us. Even if you look back at James 1.4, we talked about James 1.4 last week, the very end. 
It's saying, hey, those of you going through these difficult times, these trials that you're going through, be joyful in it, be steadfast, because guess what? It's resulting in you being more and more like Christ, and until a day when you are made perfect and complete, and it says the term lacking in nothing. Hey, guess what? One day in heaven, you're going to be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. See the idea of lacking right there. Guess what? In heaven, you're going to lack nothing. Then right after in verse 5, it says, if any of you lacks, which is like, okay, in heaven, we're going to be lacking nothing. But right now, guess what's something that we all lack? Wisdom. Well, if you lack wisdom, do what? Ask God. We just talked about that. And why? Why should I ask God? He gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, in confidence, trust. You see, that idea of, man, I'm sure that God's going to give it to me. That idea of faith. And then he emphasized it even more by saying, let him ask in faith with no doubting. It's like, is he making himself all the more clear? Like, trust God and don't doubt. It's like, well, that's why you said trust God. He's making it abundantly clear. Ask God in faith. Trust that God is going to give you wisdom when you ask. You can write that down for point number two. Trust God to give wisdom when you ask. Because he will. James 1, 5, and 6, make that extremely clear. Really? Is, will God give me wisdom if all I got to do is ask him? Well, how can I trust that God is going to do that? Well, why should I trust God? Well, first, one of the reasons why we should trust God is because God is the one who gives good gifts. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. It expounds upon that idea in Matthew 7. The end of the Sermon on the Mount Matthew 7, we're going to look at verse 9. Why should we trust God? Jesus gives an illustration here in Matthew 7, starting in verse 9, making clear the point that we should trust God and the reason why we should trust God. Reasons why is because he gives good gifts. Look at verse 9. Jesus here, speaking to parents, he says, Hey, which one of you, parents, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Now picture that. You come home for dinner, and your mom's like, all right, we got dinner. You're like, oh, can I have dinner? Like, yeah, you can have dinner. She gives you the plate and sets it on the table. It's like a bunch of pebbles. <laughs> yum. Eat up, guys. <laughs> Man, yeah. Thanks, mom. Like, yum. It's like, no, your mom wouldn't do that. She, she knows what you need. She's going to give you real food. goes on, verse 10, or if he asks for a fish, like, okay, you're like, fish? Like, I don't want fish. That's gross. It's like, or if you're like me and love pokey, it's like, yeah, give me some fish. Like, mm. Oh, if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. It's like, oh, man, yeah, we got, we got some good dinner tonight. Here's like a black mamba to eat. Yeah, yeah. Here's a, here's a poison rattlesnake. Like, thanks, mom. It's like mom saying, like, we've got food at home, and you thinking it's bread and a fish, and what food at home is is like rocks and... And, this, and the serpent, it's like, it's like, parents don't do that. Well, why? Verse 11 says, if you then who are evil, hey, you parents, guess what? You're sinful. Even you who are evil know how to good give, good give, sorry, how to give good gifts. Say that 10 times fast. How to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? Hey, your parents know that if you ask them for, for dinner, they're not going to give you a rock. <laughs> they're not going to give you a poison rattlesnake. They, they, they know better than that. 
Well, how much more does your heavenly father give good things when we ask? Well, of course he is. He knows what we need. He's a giver of all good things if we ask for it. Because he gives good things, look back at Matthew 7, 7. We read this out of order for a reason. It's because he gives the reason for us asking. And then he says in verse 7, what should we do? Ask, and it will be given to you. Ask. That was what point one was all about. Admitting that we need wisdom. Going and saying, hey God, give me wisdom. Ask, and what? It will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Seeks the idea of not only praying to God, but seeking out wisdom from God. So, okay, how does God give wisdom? Okay, God's word. Seeking it out. Man, how does God want me to act? So I'm asking God, hey, God, give me wisdom. I'm seeking it out. And lastly, it says, knock, and it will be open to you. This idea of being persistent, persistently asking God for wisdom, persistently seeking out wisdom from God's word. Knock, and it will be open to you. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. But man, we should ask God for wisdom because he gives us good things. But furthermore, in James 1, 5, it gives another reason why we should ask God for wisdom. Why can I trust that God's really going to give me wisdom when I ask? Well, one, he gives good gifts. Second, it says, let him ask God. Why? Because he gives generously. He gives generously. When you think of the idea of generosity, I think we might have the idea of abundance in mind. So let's say, for example, um, Brandon and I, we go to the store and we go down the candy section, and Brandon asks me, oh, hey, can I get some candy? Now, if I said, or if someone said, wow, Nathan was really generous to Brandon, what did you think I just did for Brandon? If someone said Nathan was very generous, you think, got him candy, but got him like a lot of candy. It's like, man, he was generous. He must have got him like so much candy. I don't think that's necessarily the idea of God's generosity here. It is true that God gives us an abundance of generosity, but the idea of generosity here in this passage is the idea of sincerity, of without hesitation. So God giving us wisdom and not having to think twice about it. It's like me saying, hey, if Brandon asks me for, for some candy at the store, and like right when he asks, hey, can I have candy? Like, absolutely, I get him candy. It's like you would be like, that is very generous of Nathan, not in the sense of I got him a lot of candy, but that I didn't have to think twice about it. It was like he asked, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like, wow, that guy was really generous. Like he didn't even, like, oh man, I mean, should I get it for Brandon? Like, I don't know, was he nice to me today? It's like, no, he was generous. He didn't think twice about it. That's the idea of God's generosity and giving wisdom. He didn't have to think, oh man, I mean, Nathan asked for wisdom, should should I give him wisdom? It's like, no, you ask in faith, he gives it. Why trust God? He gives good gifts. Why trust God? He gives generously, this idea of without hesitation, not thinking twice. The other idea in Matthew 1, 5, says he gives generously to all without reproach. It's like, what? what is, without reproach? What in the world is that talking about? God gives generously, so he doesn't hesitate when he gives us wisdom, if we ask in faith but he also gives without reproach. What is that talking about? The idea of reproach is this idea of demeaning someone else, looking down on someone, uh, expressing like disappointment. So if God is without reproach, it means he doesn't do those things. So when we ask for wisdom, God isn't like, really? You're asking again for wisdom? 
He doesn't think less of us for asking for it. It's like maybe you've been in class before and like some student asks a question to the teacher and the teacher's like, well, for the fourth time, um, it's like, oh, whoa, like <laughs> slam. Like, or if you were paying attention, you would have like heard the answer to that. And you're like, all right, I'm not going to ask a question again because the teacher is not super happy right now. It's like, that, that's not how God responds when we ask for wisdom. He's not like, really, Nathan? You're asking again? Do you really just pay attention? No, he is eager and willing to give us wisdom if we ask of it. Doesn't think less of us doesn't diminish us. I mean, talk about a reason why we should ask God for wisdom. Why trust God? He gives good gifts. He gives generously. He gives without reproach. All these reasons why we should ask God, and we can have confidence that he will answer us, but how many of us often ask God for wisdom? Probably not very often. Oftentimes, the things that we pray to God for are things that we don't have. So say there's conflict in your family, you pray for peace because there's not peace, you don't have peace. Or you have a big test coming up and you don't have a good grade and so you ask because you want a good grade. A lot of us don't pray and ask for wisdom because we think we already have it. We think, oh, I'm good. Either that or we think God's not gonna give it. So why should I even ask? What keeps us from asking God for wisdom? I think the answer is in the passage that we're looking at. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. Why did James include that? It's because how quick are we to doubt? Oh, is God really going to answer that? Mm, I'm not sure. We pray for things, but we're not really convinced that God's going to answer them oftentimes probably for things all the time, and you're like, oh, well, I mean, God might not answer it. We doubt when we ask God, when we pray for things. We're like Peter. Remember Peter, when Jesus calls him to walk out on the water, and it, it's accounted in Matthew 14, where Peter says, hey, Lord, if that's you out walking on the water, command me, and I'm going to walk out on the water too. And Jesus says, yeah, come out on the water. Peter starts walking out on the waves, this miraculous thing that Jesus gives him the ability to do. But then all of a sudden, in verse 30, it says, Peter saw the wind and he was afraid. And he doubted and he questioned it. He started to sink. And Jesus calls out Peter and he says in verse 31, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt, Peter? Do you really not have confidence that I was going to allow you to walk on the water in this instance? You really doubted me. How often do we doubt God when we pray to him? When we pray, we doubt all the time. Maybe you've said this, well, I mean, God's not going to hear me right now. He doesn't hear me. Well, I mean, he hears me, but he's, he's not going to answer. It's not going to make, make a difference. He won't really answer me. Okay, yeah, he hears, but he answers, but he, nothing's really going to change about this situation. We pray for things, but, but we really doubt whether it's going to happen or not. If you're like that, if you're someone that doubts God when you pray, these next two passages are going to transform how you think about prayer. Turn to Matthew chapter 21, verses 18 through 22. So I was looking at these passages this week. It really challenged me in how I thought about prayer and asking things from God. And specifically, the point of this 
sermon, asking God for wisdom. In this passage, Matthew 21, Jesus had just cursed this fig tree. So just this fig tree growing up, and he cursed it and like dies on the spot, withers up. And the disciples are like, what? Like, how did that just happen? And they're like shocked. Like, how did this fig tree just wither up? Like, man, how did that just happen? Well, Jesus in Matthew 21, verse 21, he replies. Jesus answered them, and he says this. Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, that's what we're talking about, asking God in faith and not doubting, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Whoa. What? So if the disciples asked in faith, they could pick up the mountain and throw it into the sea. A lot of you guys are in your minds, you're going, whoa, Nathan, wait, uh, uh, careful. You're like virgin on saying something that's like heretical. That's like not true. Do you really mean to say that if I ask for anything and I just believe it, I really have faith that's going to happen? So I should go home and pray, God, give me a Lamborghini. Give me it. I really believe it. Whoa, there's a Lambo outside. Let's go. Yeah. We're like, God, I know I'm short, but please let me be in the NBA. I believe it. And it's going to happen. Well, isn't that what this passage is saying? If you ask in faith, it's going to happen. The point that Jesus is trying to make is that the disciples have unimaginable power available to them because of their faith in Christ. Because of them trusting in Jesus and God being their father, they can ask for things from the creator of all things. And they have this unimaginable power because God, who's what? In charge of all things. They ask for things. They are requesting things from a God who is able to do all things. Well, Nathan, does that still mean that I can ask for anything and it's going to happen? Turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, I think it clarifies and expands upon the idea that Jesus is making clear in Matthew 21. Because you might, it might seem like I can ask for anything, and if I just really believe it, it's going to happen. 1 John chapter 5 clarifies and expands upon this idea of asking God, praying to him in faith, asking for things and trusting, having confidence that it's going to happen. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. 1 John 5, 14. You guys there? Yeah? All right. 1 John 5, 14. It says this. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. This is have towards God. Confidence that we have towards God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to God's will, guess what? God hears us. Verse 15. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. And we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. It's like, whoa, it says it right there again. If we ask anything, according as well, he hears us. So I can ask for anything and he's going to hear me. I can ask for anything and he's going to answer me because it says we know that we have the request, what we've asked of him. Say, so, hey, first let's understand who this is written to. Look at verse 13. Who is this written to? Verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. First, this is written to Christians, believers. This isn't just saying some person that's 
isn't a Christian, can ask anything from God, and God's going to give it to him. That's not what he's saying. Say, hey, this is a promise that Christ has made specifically to Christians, to believers. Okay, okay, so does that just mean a Christian can ask for anything they want? Look back at verse 14. You might have skipped a little section. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So can I ask anything from God? Yes. Well, that means he's going to answer it. If it's according to his will, absolutely. Well, how do we know what God's will is? Right here, God's word. What does God want? It's written right here. What does God want us to do? It's found in scripture. So if we ask anything according to a promise found in scripture and we ask in confidence, guess what? You should have confidence that God's gonna give it. Think how crazy that is. You can pray in accordance with God's word and expect God to answer that prayer. That's pretty crazy. Well, can I ask for wisdom? Well, James 1.5 says we can ask God for wisdom and he's going to grant it. So who are we to question God when we pray and ask God for wisdom if you are a Christian and think that he's not going to answer it? 1 John 5, Matthew 21 would say the opposite. You can pray for things that line up to God's will, which is found in scripture, and he says he will answer it. I mean, when I read that this week, it really challenged me to, man, I need to pray for more confidently for things that line up for God's, God's will. I need to pray for wisdom because he says he's going to give it if I ask without doubting. But yet we pray for things and we, we doubt. Say, oh, well, God, maybe you can answer it, God. I mean, we don't need to doubt God's answers. R.A. Torrey, in the book on the back that I put as a suggestion, in The Power of Prayer, he writes a chapter that brings up a strong point about how we don't need to add any ifs to our prayers if it's a promise that God already made. It's like, imagine if you talk to me after service and you said, hey, I'm, I'm pretty hungry. Um, will, you, will you buy lunch for me? I, I want lunch. And I said, okay, if you meet me at Chipotle at one o'clock, I will buy you lunch. And so you make your way down there for Chipotle and you see me there and you say, oh, Nathan, you said if I, if I meet you here for, for lunch, you would buy me Chipotle. Now, if you would, can I please have some Chipotle? I'd probably be like, what, what'd you just say? Oh, I mean, like, I, like if, you, if you will, like, can you buy me some Chipotle? I'd be like, Why, why'd you say if? Didn't I say that if you met me here, I would, I would buy you Chipotle? What, you think that I was going to lie and, and not give you Chipotle if you showed up and, and, and asked? Why'd you question me? That's exactly how God thinks when we pray for things that line up in accordance with his will, and we say, oh, God, answer this, like, I mean, if, if you want to. It's like, no, promises of God are sure and steadfast. We shouldn't doubt God to say God's going to lie, change his mind. No, we can have confidence to pray and ask for things, and he will answer us. Why are Matthew chapter 21 and 1 John 5 in Scripture? It's to give us confidence to ask big things of God when we pray. Give us confidence to go to him and request things and know if it lines up with his will, he will answer us. 
If you're a Christian and you ask God for wisdom, you need to trust that he will give it. Don't doubt. My challenge a lot of the ways that we pray should make us more confident when we pray, more regular to ask God when we pray. How often do you ask for wisdom? Probably not too often. Do you confidently pray God, pray to God for wisdom? Probably not as we ought to. What wisdom have we missed out on by nature of us not asking God for it? Probably a lot. What wisdom have we missed out on by asking God for wisdom but doubting that he's going to give it so we don't get the wisdom? Probably a lot. Furthermore, what wisdom have we missed out on by not trusting in him completely, by not being right with God, but being a double-minded man, as James 1 goes on to say, the person who doubts, who questions God, oh, God's not even real, this person's double-minded. Verse 7 says, that person who doubts, doesn't trust God, must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So you're not going to get anything. You don't trust God? Well, why are you expecting him to give you wisdom? He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This idea of hesitating God, oh, should I really trust him? Or, ah, oh, no, I, I shouldn't. Ah, oh, should I really believe in him? Ah, oh, no, I shouldn't. Someone who's not really fully devoted to God. And guess what? People who aren't fully devoted to God shouldn't expect to receive this wisdom from God because they're not right with him. Before you go and pray and ask God for wisdom, you need to ask yourself, am I this doubting person? Am I this person who's not right with God? That's this double-minded, kind of, oh, kind of wants to be with God, but kind of, you know, wants to be with the world. Point number three, you need to evaluate your devotion to God. Evaluate your devotion to God. Are you all in? Have you put your complete trust in Christ? Are you trying to play games with God and say, oh, I want a little bit of what God has to offer, but I also want the sinful things that this world offers? I don't know if you've read the book, The Pilgrim's Progress, before. But in that book, there's this guy who's named Mr. Facing Both Ways. <laughs> Which is like, how is that, how's that possible? Like, <laughs> like, facing both ways at the same time. And in this allegory, which is characteristic of um, Christian, who's interacting with all these different people, this Mr. Facing Both Ways is this guy who wants to be known as a Christian. Yeah, I want, I want to be known as that. But also wants to keep one foot in the world as well. Oh yeah, I want the good things that Christianity offers, uh, but I also like my sin too. I like my non-Christian friends. Trying to have both at the same time. That's the idea of this double-minded man. Wants one foot of the world and one foot in with God. Are you that person trying to be half in with God and half in the world? If so, Revelation chapter 3 is a passage that speaks right to you. Look at Revelation chapter 3. In this passage, John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to this church in Laodicea. And this church is a wealthy and successful, like it's in a wealthy and successful area. I mean, kind of like Orange County, a wealthy, successful, well-to-do area. It's a, people that live there, live comfortably, uh, they almost are self-sufficient in some, some regards. Like, oh yeah, life's going pretty good. 
was a church that probably saw itself as a vibrant and a, and a, and a good church. But yet, John rebukes them and calls them out for something. Look at Revelation 3, verse 15. What does he call them out for? It says this, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. It's like, what? Okay, not cold or hot, lukewarm. What's this idea of like cold, hot, lukewarm? Imagine you're at Revival. It's 115 degrees outside, which you're really craving because you just got done with games is some nice cold water. So you go over to those orange um, water filling stations and you pour the water in and you take a, take a swig. You're expecting some nice ice cold water and it's lukewarm. Feel like, that's not what I want. It's ah, not what you want. You want ice cold water. Or picture, different situation. You are about to go take a shower and you want to take a nice warm shower and you do the thing where, like, right before you jump into the shower, you, like, put the little feeler out because, like, you don't want to jump in and, like, be the wrong temperature. So you put the little feeler out, and you're like, okay, I want this to be nice, warm, f- f- like, rejuvenating the body. And, like, you put your hand out, and it's lukewarm. It's like, what? Like, it's not what you wanted. Like, in the first situation, you want the cold water. In the second situation, you want the hot water. And in neither situation, you want, like, just this lukewarm water in the middle. It's like, I don't want that. Similarly, the people in this church were people that were lukewarm. This idea of they weren't hot or cold. They wanted kind of one foot in with the world and one foot in with God. They weren't all in for God. They weren't fully devoted to him. Said, oh yeah, at church, I'll act one way. But in the world, I'm, I'm going to be completely different. Are you lukewarm? I don't even like the term people use lukewarm Christians because it gives the idea that they are Christians. It's more a lukewarm person because lukewarm person is not a Christian. You're trying to have the world and God, and guess what? You can't be half in for God. Are you right with God? Are you fully devoted to him? Before you go and ask God for wisdom, you need to make sure you're all in. Well, some of you aren't right with God right now because you desire and are pursuing what the world offers. Some of you want to be known as the pretty, popular girl. So some of you girls are after. Some of you guys want to be known as the cool, athletic, popular guy. And that's what you're pursuing. And you're saying, oh, yeah, I mean, like, I want to have a good reputation at church, but, like, ultimately, deep down inside, what I really desire is to be known as, like, the person that everyone wants to be like. That's having one foot in and one foot out. It's not worth it. Others of you maybe put on a really good face at church and you put on the whole yay Jesus at church, but then you go to school and you're talking about things with your friends that you shouldn't talk about. You hang around with people that are influencing you towards sinfulness and that's really your crew that you like to hang out with. You do your DBR, you contribute in small groups, but when you talk in text with your friends, it's about sinful and bad things. That's someone trying to be half in and half out. And God says, hey, that person I want to spit out of my mouth. I am repulsed by. Because guess what? Real Christians are all in. Others of you aren't right with God, but you're trying to do good things in in vain. You do your DBR. You do your flip grid. You you pray, or at least you try to. You try to obey your parents, but if your leader asks you why why you're doing those things, 
you would say, oh, it's, I mean, it's because that's what, that's what God wants me to. Or you, you do it because inwardly you're like trying to please your parents or you're trying to make your small group leader happy. And you don't do it because of God and because you love God and you care about him. You're just trying to put and act like a good Christian kid on the outside, but inside you know it's all fake. It's not genuine. Not right with God. Some of you are afraid to trust in Christ because you're not sure if it's going to work. Oh, how do I know it's really going to work? How do I know that like it's going to last forever? Talk about the double-minded man, someone who doubts God. That's the type of person right there. Oh, is God really going to keep me as a Christian? How do I know it's going to work? I have all these reasons, and I know a lot of those are thoughts that are going through your mind right now, why you're not right with God, do not put it off. Because the whole premise of the sermon is asking God for wisdom, admitting you need it, and God's going to give wisdom if you ask, but that's only applicable to those who are right with God. If you're not right with God, guess what? You still need wisdom. But first, you need to submit yourself to what Christ did on the cross for you to be made right with God. Be made right with God. Be fully devoted to him. Then ask God for wisdom. And if you ask in confidence, he will give it. See, wisdom is a good thing and ask for it. Imagine if Harper, here in the front, said to everyone in this room, hey, if you give me a phone call, you just call me, I'll give you $100 every time you call me and ask for $100. <laughs> You'd be like, Okay, this is fake. Now, what if you found out, I don't know, it's like crazy. Harper doesn't have that kind of money, right? I don't know, no. Uh, no. Um, but what if you found out it was legit? And like every time someone called Harper and asked for 100 bucks, she gave him 100 bucks. Now, how often would you call Harper? <laughs> like, oh, like I'm kind of busy today. I'm not gonna call Harper today. I don't feel like it. Oh, I'm good today. It's like a lot of you guys would probably be like, hey, Harper, 100 bucks? Oh, yeah, 100 bucks? Cool. Hey, Harper, um, what's up? Can I get 100 bucks? Harper, what's up? Can I get 100 bucks? Harper, uh, can I get 100 more? It's like, again and again and again and again. It's like, why? It's because you want the money. Well, how many of us, when we have access to, because those of us who are right with God have God as our Father, how many of us, desire wisdom like we seek out and desire a hundred bucks and we ask for it. A lot of us don't do that. Man, we need to see how valuable and how worthwhile wisdom is and that we have access to it if we just ask God for it. Ask in confidence, in trust that he will give it to us, those of us who are right with him. May we ask in faith for wisdom because he is a God who will grant wisdom if we ask May we, be, may we be more diligent to pray this week to God, asking for things that line up in his word, and one of those things is wisdom because we need it to navigate life no matter what phase of life you're in, whether you're a leader in this room, whether you're a junior high student, we all need more wisdom. May we ask God for that this week. Let's pray. God, we ask right now that you would give us wisdom and understanding and discernment 
that as we navigate through life and we have difficult challenges that we face and decisions to make, that you would give us the understanding to make the decisions that you want us to make, make the choices that you want us to. Help us to ask confidently when we come to you in prayer, not doubting, not questioning. God, I pray that those of us that are Christians would do that more, but those of us in this room that aren't right with you, I pray, God, that we would not try to live one foot in and one foot out, but fully submit our lives to Christ. Say that it's worth it to trust in him, the only way to be saved through Christ. Help those of us that are in this room that aren't right with you to submit their life to Christ today. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.